piece of me? Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. What's up, film fans? Welcome to episode 273. Welcome to Oppenheimer, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan, and you are, guys, joined by the cast, the crew, Ed. What's up? Zach. Hey, what's going on, guys? Zach doing his best impression of a Blu-ray there. I know. Hey, listen. 4K Ultra High Definition. You know, guys, we are still stuffed from this past weekend with Thanksgiving. Ed looks like he's about to go on a, a lumberjack spree. And, uh, Zach, you look like you just got done coming back from Black Friday shopping. Yeah. What a week it's been. What a weekend. For those of you joining us live on Emaswa Productions, thank you for this Sunday evening edition of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Everybody who's listening to this uh, out there in podcast land, happy Wednesday. Uh, so, guys, can you believe this is it? This is the final episode of November. We're, we're you know, just a few days away from December and on to Christmas. Well, you know, I mean, oh, God. At least they started playing music around the time the bird was done. That's all I got to say. Hopefully the bird was done. Can you guys imagine eating bird that's not done? I had two birds at my Thanksgiving. Just saying. Oh, you Did you save some for everybody else? Oh yeah, there's got some plenty. They got leftovers too. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. Who about had the better? Who, who had the better bird? I'd say the duck. The duck had the, the duck was the best. It was different. Yeah. Never had duck before, so nice. Has a has a very distinct taste to it. It's uh, yeah, yeah. A little, <laughs> little too little too greasy for me. Fair enough. Um. Uh, that being said, welcome to our 2023 version of Barbenheimer. Last week, guys, if you didn't listen, Ooh. we t- talked about Barbie last week. Um, we had some special guests, and we also had uh, Ella join us for the conversation last Wednesday. So go back and listen to Barbie wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can always check us out always on the social media, facebook.com forward slash the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. The Instagram is all one word, the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. X is at Cinnamon405. And then you can email us as well at C-I-N-E-M-E-N-921 at gmail.com. You can find all the links to all of our past episodes. Hit us up in the archives. And again, you can always watch us live here on Emaswa Productions' YouTube channel and on demand. Um, Tap in. That's all. Just tap in. Just tap it in. Um, so last week, last week was a fun episode, Barbie. Um, if you guys did not check it out, go highly, I highly recommend it. Go listen to it. Um, you can also go get that movie still on Cyber Monday. Uh, for those of you that are watching on Sunday, it's only $10. Um, so go check it out because it's still not streaming on Max yet, but I, I heard it might be on Max by Christmas. So yeah, yeah. Early part of December, probably right before Christmas. Yeah. Um, we we kind of cut the news segment out. We, I don't think we mentioned it last week, though, Zach. But how about Scream Seven is in complete shambles mm. right now? After yeah. 
Bad stuff, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, and you one, know, not... one of your leading ladies was fired, and the other one is has other obligations. So it, uh, they're saying now it could be just be another reboot, essentially. You know, I heard that. Uh, Need to bring Stu back. You know, well, uh, Nev Campbell still is like on. She doesn't want to come back either. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Um, but you know, I think it's funny that Ortega all of a sudden announced that she has other obligations the day after. It, it was due to that. It was because of that firing. Like that. That's Wednesday. not even like. Come on now. No, not not due to Wednesday. I'm sure she, she yeah has that stuff too. But I'm sure she would have made time. But since the uh. Shit, I forget her name at the moment. But since she was the other girl was fired for her, you know, statements, then you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure she was like, "Well, if she's not there, then I'm not there," kind of thing. Right. And I mean, right. I, I, I get sticking by your friend or sticking by, you know, what what you believe in or whatever have you. But dang, did man, you, did, did you read the statements? Not much. No, I, I, I know it has to do with uh, overseas stuff. I know that. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah, of overseas, yeah. Zach, <laughs> let's oversee some of your uh, recent watches this past week. And you have anything you want to recommend? No, man. Other than Oppenheimer, uh, watched Elf on the Max. So go check that out for Christmas. We'll probably t- be talking about that here in a couple weeks. I hope you um, find your dad. <laughs> why? Why will we be talking about that in a few weeks, Zach? Well, here in a couple of weeks, guys, we, we're probably going to do like official go through the schedule. But our, for our last episode of December, we're going to do our top five plus five Christmas movies. So I'm sure that we'll be making plenty of lists. And then uh, continuing to watch uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters on uh, Apple oh, TV. So it's pretty I, good. Mm, I want to see that so badly. I've seen a few screenshots just and that's it. But mm, looks good. It's pretty cool. So yeah, oh, go I've check heard. out Monarch, and then go check out uh, Elf on the Max. Max it up. <clears throat> uh, I checked out um, Violent Violent Night, David Arboff from from last year's is pretty pretty fun movie. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Santa Christmas Bloody Christmas. <laughs> I did watch episode one of Monarch, Zach. I, I did I did like it a lot. Um, Apple. Apple has this thing where you can watch any season one, episode one, uh, for free. Yep. Um, so if you don't have Apple TV Plus and you're thinking about it, you can go watch episode one of Monarch for free. Is it um, worth it though? It's yeah, worth it. I think it's worth it. I think yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Like what? But you what remember, you... I'm I'm a Godzilla fan, so I mean. No, 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 not like that. But I mean, like Apple TV. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, it, it like okay with Hulu, I've got my main kind of things that I watch on there, but then I've got some other things that I find and I'm like, Oh shit. You know, like with Apple TV, like say like a movie or two and a recommendation or something like that to say, you know what? That might. Just, oh, you mean just as Apple, Apple TV as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they do have good production value. I mean, they do have a best picture winner with Coda. I mean, they, they have, they have killers of the fire moon and then Napoleon, which came out this week. Um, so, I mean, I, the big thing that draws people to Apple TV is Ted Lasso, which I haven't seen, but I've heard amazing things about it. So it just okay. it, it just depends. So I mean, there's a couple that you spent already. Mixed the prehistoric with that was the prehistoric yeah. planet, which is kind of like a planet Earth with David Attenborough, is pretty good. The visuals are way better than anything in Jurassic World Dominion. So you know, 
So, like I said, it just it, if you can find something on there, you know, th they do have other things like documentaries and like any other streaming service. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, Monarch, Monarch is on Apple TV. Highly recommend it. Oppenheimer uh, watched it for the first time since the theater. Um, I think it's just a matter of time until that's also announced probably for Peacock as well, since that's a Universal movie, right? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> um, checked out Jingle all the way, getting ready for some Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that gave me a heartburn you just mentioning that. Oh. So you're you know saying it's going to be your number one for that list. That thing is rotting in hell, and Satan doesn't even know it's there. <laughs> in my in my honest thoughts, <laughs> rotting in hell and say, Sinbad should make Shazam or yeah Shazam and say he didn't remember making that. Like, All just right. saying. All right, so. <laughs> you, you know what? I, 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 that, that keeps popping up on my social media. I looked. He did not make it. Okay, but don't wrong. I am one of those who distinctly remembers watching Kazam with Shaq and Shazam with Sinbad. Distinctly. Supposedly, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was in that movie with with uh, Sinbad, and I went mm -hmm. back and looked at both of the, the both the filmographies, and it's not even anywhere it's near. Not, it's not listed at all. But you can find it takes a minute, but you can find footage from there, because dude, maybe it was one of those movies was... that that got started. They released the trailer, and we saw the trailer, but it never got released. He says he didn't do anything with it. Sinbad says he did not a single thing with a movie called related to or even about a genie Shazam or anything. But I. Personally, I'm in that Mandela effect to where I remember that. I do. I don't. I don't know. It's weird, but doing callbacks to older episodes, the Mandela effect. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what about you? Ed? Do you have anything that you want to recommend? Or uh, <clears throat> funny enough, I did go on a Monsters Universe. Uh, kind of watch uh halfway watch i guess you could say uh thursday no wednesday no friday my bad friday holy shit friday i uh, watched uh godzilla king of the monsters and godzilla versus kong uh pretty much one after the other um See, i don't know why oh yeah and that's the thing you know i was just like yeah i don't, I don't know why but yeah um Got to on, watch those two on Netflix, I think. Yep, yep, yep. Got to watch the uh, got to uh, watch and uh, finish the uh, second season of Shorzy. They are working on third season. <clears throat> the final season of Letterkenny comes out December 26th, so there's that. Um, honestly, other than that, with a little bit of free time that I do have, I've uh, been playing MLB The Show 23. Uh, yeah, trying to trying to learn how to how to go about it, about about it. All right, guys. That being said, let's get into today's episode. We are talking Oppenheimer. Um, IMDb has it at an eight point five. Rotten Tomatoes is at ninety three percent. The Metascore is at eighty eight percent. While the Google users like it at ninety two percent. With a July 21st, 2023 release, 
Um, it had a $100 million budget and grossed a little over $950 million at the box office. The story of an American scientist, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. Um, starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Jason Clark, Tony Goldwyn, Kenneth Broughton, and Josh Hartnett. Also, uh, Ben Safdie's in there, and it's directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, Zach, we'll start with you. Uh, first time versus now, you got to check this out in the theater. What was it like when the movie was over compared to the rewatch? <clears throat> yeah, so um, saw this twice in the theater. First time, regular IMAX, uh, the opening weekend. And then a couple weeks later, uh, checked it out in 70 millimeter at Quell Springs Mall. Uh, the first time, first time watch... It was everything, um, everything that I wanted in this wanted this film to be. Um, I think my initial reaction was there are just too many characters. But after watching it, I was just kind of like, okay, we could have cut some of this out. You know, does it need to be three hours? Uh, second time, I'll admit I kind of dozed off a little bit here and there during some of the scenes, especially the court, especially the slower scenes. Um, and on this re rewatch, honestly, I had a blast with it. I mean, I don't know if it's just I had time to research who Oppenheimer was and just the whole situation and everything. But for this rewatch, it just like, yeah, this it solidifies. This is easily one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. So uh, I saw this once in the theater. I got to go see it in the 70 millimeter. Uh, and then I watched it again today. Um, I was kind of worried watching it at home. I didn't know if it would be one of those three-hour movies where I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs. But I put my phone down, and it was uh, it was good. Uh, I got into it. <clears throat> um, I was kind of like, I was, I was like you, Zach. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Ed, Ed just looked like a big-ass owl right there. <laughs> um no, it was it was it was fun. <laughs> he kind of threw me off my track there. My bad, my bad. Um, but I put I put my phone down and I was into it. You know, there wasn't a time that I was bored. Um, I I was like you, Zach. I was thinking, should the movie be cut down? But I honestly, thought every piece of dialogue, every scene, um, the black and white sequences, which at first when I first saw it in the theater, I thought were maybe, oh, this could be cut out. But no, I. Uh, I enjoyed it, and we'll get ready to get into it. So if I had to say one word after both watches, um, I'll just say intense. Ed, what about you? First time watching it for today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I've seen it. Um, <clears throat> I knew roughly what it was about, um, you know, hearing the name, understanding the subject matter a little bit, or at least what it was about the time that it was talking about for that matter. Um, I didn't know it was going to be kind of a Chernobyl similar movie you know uh <clears throat> showing the lead up to making of and then court cases and stuff so that was that was a heck of a cool thing right there but yeah well uh, nice. let's get into it um the three-hour extravaganza that is oppenheimer you have almost three different movies three different genres all yeah. in one um, this movie is like a giant onion. You just unravel the layers piece by piece, 
throughout the whole thing. Um, and I, I did this, I, I kind of did notes and, and wrote and watched about the movie like I did with like The Godfather about how every single hour was mm-hmm. almost sequenced if you watched it hour by hour. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I, I did the same thing and um, we'll talk about probably just throughout the, the episode. Um, <clears throat> on the 4K, on the 4, 4K disc, there's a um, about an hour and 10 minute making a documentary and it just explains like the whole process through the casting, the the production design and everything um and one of the things i learned and i'm sure you you know you saw it too johnny um that nolan really describes us as three films in one where the first hour is kind of like a the origin story for oppenheimer two is the uh a heist film kind of getting getting everybody together to do the manhattan project and three is a is a riveting court a courtroom drama and i think that like in eight, eight, each he Nolan did a very good job of like knowing when to cut the line and say, okay, we got to go to the next segment or the next part. Um, You know, the first whole hour you get Oppenheimer as a young man at Cambridge and everything, him coming back to America, the Florence Pugh character. And then really the hour mark is literally Los Los Alamos and building the Manhattan project. And the idea of if we press this button, are we going to ignite the entire atmosphere? And that, you know, sets the course of events for the rest of the film. And I think it's beautifully well shot, beautifully well done. Um, the screenplay by itself is just phenomenal. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I mean, so I thought the the thoughts getting kind of like put into an actual uh, screen every now and then of the shots of what he was kind of thinking of and all that, as well as... Yeah. The, the the when he was thinking of how the atom was could good. look it yeah. just started you know rotating and then you could see the rotations slightly diverging from not diverging pulling apart but just slightly rotating that mm-hmm. was cool thought you know the char- different characters that they introduced here and there was very nice and very subtle but very 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 uh good timing with everything it wasn't yeah. a bad uh it wasn't a bad timeline in any way shape or form um you could see he was very very conflicted um a lot of people are you know kind of like what happened later in the movie and a lot of people hail him as a hero <clears throat> um you could tell the moral conflicts which i'm i'm very sure gone through the actual Oppenheimer's head because that you don't just make that and be like, yep, <laughs> lollipops and rainbows, you know, like this, this thing you understand could potentially take millions literally and just buy and in effect yeah. lives after that, you know, and essentially it was hundreds of thousands, but you know, it it, it it was a serious enough thing to make him go, okay, look, first yeah. off, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Like, let, let's turn this tide and uh, I'm out, you know, kind of thing. So I, I think he'd done very well in, in just introducing the, the, the thought processes as well as the feelings, the emotions, the moral concepts, the moral compass and all that kind of different good stuff. Well, the thing is, is I think <clears throat> Nolan said that the thing that really hooked him to do this project was the idea of 
if they pre when they press the button, could they have destroyed the entire world in that moment? Um, but to me, the th the real interesting, more interesting thing about this movie is the psychological profile of Oppenheimer. Of I think I I really don't think he regrets dropping the bomb. I think his greatest his great his greatest regret was the idea of this could be used by anyone. This could be used by it's in, it's part of the arsenal of of a weaponry system. It's just like that wasn't. Yeah. That was never our intention of why we built this. I think he truly believed that we have to get, we have to we have to get to this before the Nazis do because there's a great line where he says, "Do we really have? Are we really are are we morally right to have this power?" And he said, "Well, I know the Nazis are not. I rather we have it than they do." So it it, it was essentially you know who has the bigger gun and who gets to the big gun faster you know or the even yeah. bigger gun faster yeah because you know at, at this time like you have to understand like yes the lives of of the people who did die in both bombings are tragic but in that same way so are all the lives of the innocent that also died in all those camps all those bombings being shot mm -hmm. six million plus you know and i mean well I, I think it's actually over 13 million if i'm not mistaken in history <clears throat> so it's kind of a you know you had to strong arm the hell out of somebody to finally topple that empire down and it did the trick but it was at a big cost so it's kind of like you know yeah you're you're it's a catch-22 you're gonna be praised and you're gonna be hated like i mean yeah. <laughs> it's not something that comes without consequences it's really not is it, crazy that, is it crazy yeah. though that we're, we're living in a in a world of directors putting out movies nowadays like Scorsese and and Christopher Nolan with like Oppenheimer and like you know you go back and look throughout the history of time with film and I don't think Zach you might argue maybe back in the golden age or whatever but I don't think that we're sitting on a better time of so different many films and so many different directors putting out not just movies but like pieces of art like this like you have to really go back in time to just watch and see what kind of stuff gets put out almost in the same calendar year. Um, and that's what I was thinking about mostly watching this movie. Not, on, not only about how good Oppenheimer is and how good everything's put together. Cause let's face it. It's, it's really a good movie. If, if three hour films aren't your deal, then, you know, you, you'd probably be more focused on going and watching something on Disney plus or something. But let's, let's be honest. Like this three hour movie is, is almost like, yeah. So going back into some of the actual details of the real uh, bombs that went off. So I'm going to compare three different three different bombs. One is Hiroshima at 15 kilotons. Two is Nagasaki at 21 kilotons. Now think about like how big that is. Currently, the Tsar bomb. CZAR is rated at a hundred megatons. Which one is that one? Because we know that the first two are in the movie, and they, those were dropped. The SAR bomb wasn't invented until, like, I'm not mistaken, the eighties, right? Nineties. But what is it? Is that like <clears throat> that one that we have? No, Russia SAR bomb. Like um, SAR is like a king over there, basically. Um, it, it, it's a it's a it's a big bitch. <laughs> 
think about it like the Hiroshima bomb was 28 inches uh, tall, if I'm not mistaken, weighing like 140 pounds and literally had over like, like I said, had 15 kilotons worth of uh, explosive damage that it could do <clears throat> or that it did, I guess I should mm -hmm. say. That is insane, let alone 100 megatons. And that's I, and that's the interesting thing of like, <clears throat> if you if you if you watch like interviews of the real Oppenheimer like years and years after the Manhattan Project, I think he's truly putting on like an act of like, yeah, I mean, you know, we did what we had to do in order to, you know, not only bring our, our troops home, but, you know, try to save the world from this type of evil. But deep down, he is very, I don't know if disturbed is the right word, or just emotionally conflicted of the idea of, like, I have created a power that is so far beyond me now that, you know, any everyone can have it. You know, so, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, you know, this movie having, like, almost three genres in one. You could even maybe throw in, like, maybe some horror elements too with, with the way mm -hmm. he kind of had his visions of what he did almost towards the end too, when, you know, he was given his Dude, speech that was... and then he, he, you know, walked outside and saw, you know, saw what he saw. Um, so to put the megatons thing in reference, 15 megatons is what was the equivalent of the blast in Chernobyl. Mm. Think about that basically like almost five times. Five that's times the, the power of Chernobyl. That's the SAR bomb, basically. Wow. <laughs> oh, so we don't want to make them angry. No. Dude, it, it's all that's over a, the place. I mean that's uh, a that's a whole another conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really think we uh should get into <laughs> what do you, you guys think about the casting? I think I think you know, we talked oh. about Cillian Murphy for uh the twenty eight days episode uh, a couple months ago, and I think He's definitely, you know, he's definitely part of Nolan's uh, crew that he goes to. You know, he's he's in the Dark Knight trilogy. He's an in Inception, Dunkirk. Um, and for him to have, like, this big leading role, I think it proves, it shows Nolan as a director say, yeah, I trust you to take this character on. Bro, I didn't even recognize Robert Dowdy Jr. for a minute. Oh, no. I saw the first time you see him, I'm just like, that kind of looks familiar. And it took the till the third time you see him, I think. And then I was just like, that's RDJ. Holy crap. You know, the whole bald cap and that oh, that was that mm -hmm. that was pretty good. Rami Malik came on with a freaking curveball. That was great. Um Yeah, the the cast was the cast was yeah. almost watching it in theater. At one point, it was kind of hysterical because you're like, "Oh, look, there's that guy, there's that guy." And then you see the president, yeah. Gary Oldman. Yeah. You're like, okay, you're like, "Is this a rib or what's what's going on?" Then um, even some of the names they mentioned, you know, just Josh uh, was in it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he was the isotope guy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But you know who? Who honestly, if you you, you guys could talk about Killian Murphy, but I think Matt Damon just was entertaining throughout this whole movie. I think. Uh, it shows, you know, Matt Damon was, was. I think in an interview, he was like, you know, I'm I'm done for 2023. I'm not I'm not going to do any more movies or something like that. But unless Christopher Nolan calls, yeah, and he did. 
I think I think the one that really I think Cillian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr., which are both excellent, are going to get the noms for the Oscar. But Emily Blunt, I think I think she's she's phenomenal. This I, like you really want to hate her as a character, but her her that character of Kitty in doing some of the research, she was she was actually a very she. I think she hated the idea of she just became like a housewife when in, in actuality, she was a very smart biologist. Like she, she could have had her own life and did her own thing, but she, you know, got pregnant and got pinned down with the two kids. And that scene where he comes home and he says, don't you, should you go to, go to him? He said, I've done, I've done that all day. I'm done. It's just like, Damn. dude, that okay. was intense as hell. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the movie going into it. I knew just what the subject matter was. But there was a mm-hmm. point in time when I was in the movie theater. I thought Emily Blunt's character was going to kill one of those kids, like legit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and was, like, I thought she was just going to rattle one of them. Well, in actual, in 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 actuality, they both did not want to be parents. Uh, Robert and Kitty. And oh, when that scene where that scene where he went to uh, the friend's house said, "Hey, can you just watch him for a little bit?" In actuality, what happened was just like he went to. What actually happened was that he went to a per someone that she that he worked with that couldn't wasn't able to have kids and said, "Hey, can you watch our son for a little bit?" And she said, "Oh yeah, sure." And there was like a brief moment, and he's like, "If you want to keep him, that's fine." Like he literally, like he he was definitely a man who only wanted to focus on his work or what what his ambitions were. He just he felt like he did not have the capability of being a parent. Mm. And obviously, obviously, Kitty didn't because she became a raging alcoholic. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Sure, I mean, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, I, think think, about... I think it would go before. I, go ahead, Zach. I was just gonna say I think it would take us like a whole hour just to go through each surprise character that was in the movie and and spend oh all my God. time on each one. Josh Hartnett, uh, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safdie, who. I was like, damn, like you direct, but you can also act like this. Like, wow, that's incredible. Even the guy, but, who, I mean, what's, what's his name? The guy who was uh, Bernard in the original Santa Claus movie. He played the yeah. little Brooklyn guy. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Al- Albie. I think his Albie? name is Albie. Yeah. yeah. He reminded me of and Paul then, Heyman. And then Florence Pugh, who that character. Now let's let's spend, definitely... little, let's let's spend a little bit of time on the Florence Pugh character because there's a lot of people, a lot of reviews are like, yeah, this movie's great and fantastic, but was her scene and her necessary? Was her scene necessary, and was was her character really necessary? What do you guys think? I think it's necessary for one for the for one to particular purpose and the idea that Oppenheim. Oppenheimer already you already know he's going to have a lot of people's blood on their on his blood on his hands with the making of this weapon but the idea of that he couldn't commit to this relationship and she ultimately took her own life her suicide was on his hands yeah like he already has blood and he doesn't I don't think he even really realizes it and it's only going to get a lot worse as his life goes on oh yeah he 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 definitely realizes it that's I'm I was on the I was on those people when the movie first came out I was like man was that scene really necessary um, but then going through it, you're like, man, you know, as long as each story and each scene in the movie has a payoff, then you're like, yeah, it's kind of worth it. 
Um, and you know, well, the scene, uh, if you're talking about the scene where they're like in the middle of the conference and (laughs) it's like the weird sex scene as it like transitions. Oh no. Like I'm I'm just talking about her, her as a general, that is, Oh, that that character, even that scene itself pays off really, because you can see the jealous, that's just the jealousy and the, the the hate that his wife has while he's explaining, you know, while he, why he needed to be there and why he, uh, you know, he feels like she fell in love with him. She was visualizing them together, yeah. and it was just that's that's the point of the scene. So as long as the story and the characters have a payoff, I, I think then by all means it should be in there. So um, you, all, I mean, that also explains if there's anybody um, complaining or if there's anybody like uh, trying to backtrack on why Oppenheimer was gone or why he snuck off. You know, to to the true story, you might think, oh, he was, you know given details and given notes to maybe the the other side when all reality he was escaping just to have an affair yeah that's true so again it, it all every scene pays off i think that's why i i, I don't think this movie should had cut anything out what no, were you about no, to ask that was that was that was the question just about i was going to bring up Florence Pugh and just her role in the whole movie um, what what do you think about it, Ed? I mean, it makes sense in in some aspects. It didn't have to be in there, though. Um, but yeah, uh, in in the in the thought that that's what he was actually doing wasn't to sneak off and be a spy, but he was actually going to just get some tail, you know. I mean, at the same time, like should have just said, "Hey, you know, look." We're gonna be real creating, in this. He was creating another atomic bomb. That this mm. is what was going on. Yeah. This is part of my personal life. You can ask her, you can talk to her, don't care. Oh wait, she's dead. <laughs> well shit. <laughs> well, and that and that kind of goes into like the whole from like hour to two, the two hour mark is essentially, <laughs> you know, is there a possible spy in Los Alamos? How did Russia get these these capabilities, all this and that. Um, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie, and it's it it's such an easy scene. It's a, it's a scene you could cut, but like you said, it's so essential. Is when they're discussing potential target sites. Like, oh well, you know, we could drop it on a military base, or we could do this. Or there's the one senator that's just like, well, take take Takoto off the list because that's where me and my wife honeymoon. So it's like, wow. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like they put a lot of thought and effort into this, but they really did. Just the whole concept of we really want to show the power of what we have. We want to drop it on one just to show the power, but the second one we want to drop just because we want to let the world know that we can do this more than one time. Zach, you said something about going off and talking about a uh, atomic bomb rant. What kind of rant would that be? It was it was just the whole notion of, you know, are, are people going to watch this and be like, you know, we're such a PC, politically correct time frame right now. Is this, you know, we can make the argument that this movie made money because it was part of the, the, Barbie, the Barbie effect. Or did people go to this and be like, they were interested in it. They were absolutely enthralled with it and then you actually have the debate which i think christopher nolan's whole intention of the film is to be 
what were we right in doing this? Was it wrong? Should we have dropped it? Because it the movie makes clear arguments that, you know, we were about to drop the bomb on Germany, but Hitler committed suicide, so Germany surrendered. There are people that say Japan was a defeated enemy in it to begin with, or they weren't going to last as long as we thought. But what if it didn't? What if the war had gone for another three years? You know, it's just the whole notion of, you know, like I said, we're such in a politically correct time right now. It's just like, was Oppenheimer going to get canceled because of this movie, even though he's been dead for like, like 50 plus years? You're talking about was the movie going to get canceled? Like, were people going to see more into it than, than normal and just like boycott the movie because it had so much to do with so much violence and so much, uh, you know, like you said. Yeah, I mean, just you know, <clears throat> just you know, we don't we don't need to watch a movie just because you know it's one of the, the argument of if we don't watch it, then it didn't happen. It's just like no, that you know, it's just it's just one of those type arguments. You know, like how some people say the Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah, even though we got museums and we literally have the, you know, you can go visit the actual concentration camps. Yeah, I think that's interesting to point out to say that maybe this movie only made that much money because of it came out on the same weekend as Barbie and everybody was going and doing the double feature kind of thing. Um, or, you know, like you said, is it because of all the. The, the the backlash of the movie. Um, I don't even. I didn't even check. Did this movie even get released in like Japan? I think so. Yeah. And then second off, well, like, you there know, are people that got pissed off that they didn't show the carnage of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, I don't. I don't think you need to see the carnage though. You, you know, don't. it's almost it's 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 the effect. Maybe if somebody else directed it, like Michael Bay, you oh know. My God. <laughs> no, mean, no, no, no. I'm not being serious. Like maybe if somebody else directed it, like Michael Bay or, or uh, you know, just just somebody who's who's into those kind of action or even slash horror movies. But like for somebody like Christopher Nolan to direct it, I think you have so much respect for the director and for what he puts into his work on the screen. That would almost tarnish the film. I think if you showed stuff like that, if you want to yeah. see that kind of carnage, go look on YouTube. You know. Yeah, that's true. I don't really think it needed to show the bombs in any way, shape, or form. I mean, honestly, like... Because <clears throat> the whole subject matter is the guy creating it, testing it, and then you know the aftermath and you know about the backlash. Like, I could see actually showing the physical bomb and then it getting loaded, and that's it. I could see that. They, they did that, though, but, right? Yeah, it, they did. Like, they they kind of did it. Like they loaded up the second bomb. Like and Oppenheimer's watching them like crate it up as it leaves the the base or whatever. But like that would be the most I think because literally like that that would be needed in a movie like this because it wasn't necessarily about that. Exactly like you just said, it was about the guy who made who was the the leader of the the the, the, the task force or the, the the engineers or scientists or whatever that made this bomb. And it Zach, wasn't without, about the bombs. Without a uh, without Oppenheimer, Zach, you wouldn't have your beloved Godzilla movies. Without Oppenheimer I mean, and I, without I, that I, happening, I, I, anime you're joking. wouldn't ex you're joking, anime but wouldn't truly, exist either. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a joke, but truly, Godzilla came out of the fear of atomic energy and dropping the bomb on Hiroshima. That was Japan's um, reaction to... Way of coping, in a way. Yeah. And, and I think... I mean, like. <clears throat> I have another joke, but I think it's way over the line. 
Yeah, yeah you, you, got, you got your joke. You got your joke. Well, and like, I agree. I totally agree with you guys. I I wasn't one of the the nitpickers of like, oh, they didn't show them blowing Hiroshima up or whatever. The scene where he's addressing uh, all the other people in like the town hall meeting or whatever, and he starts having visions of like death and like you see the woman is like her flesh is like being like melted off and then you see like it cuts and it's just like ash all over the stands that was perfect that's all you needed like just like his realization of like this is what's going on right now and i had something to do with it because i mean essentially at the same time like he understood what these chemicals and what the, the this you know energy could do what this radiation could do, what this level of radiation could do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, it, it, it was necessarily like a thing that I think is funny or cool. It's, it's not in any way, shape, or form. But at the time, unfortunately, it was made to be a, necessi- a, a, a bit of a necessity and <sighs> wasn't this the backlash of Pearl Harbor? Somewhat, yeah, the Michael yes. Bay movie, yeah, where it's just like, oh, you're just it, you're showing the action just for action's sake and not really showing like the traumatic. Oh no, um, no, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm uh, or, like the sequence um, of the movie. I'm no, he's talking about the, the real event. event. Oh, the real. Yes, I mean, essentially it was, but this was also to show, like, hey. This is going to keep happening if it keeps on because you've done this, you've done that, you've now attacked us. We had to get into it. We're tired of this. Stop. You know. Well, and you also got to remember, it really wasn't Japan that they had their eye on. It was Germany. You know, they, mm-hmm. the idea that Heisenberg, you know, Walter White, got to got to cut got to split the atom before they did. That just set the train rail on a whole different direction. The idea of Oppenheimer realizes in that moment what what that means. And what it's what it what they're capable of doing, which is building a nuclear weapon. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing, you know, because <clears throat> now it's a it, it's a race of time of who gets to it first. It's not a if it happens, it's a yeah. when this could happen to us. And I mean, they're wrong. Yeah, who if if Germany got to it first, who the hell knows what would have happened. Yeah. Who knows? Legitly. And it's not even a thing of like, mm, yeah, no, it's it's real. Like, who knows what would have when happened? You guys, when you guys either went to the theater or sat down and watched the movie, did you think that there was going to be a clear-cut villain in this movie? Essentially, like, before you realize what the whole thing with Robert Downey Jr. is, did you think that there was an ultimate villain? Or do you think it was just a, the, the moral I thought it was just going to be... what Oppenheimer was? an account of, you know, possible realizations. Like, like I said, I didn't really know much about it going in, but once mm-hmm. it started to line up kind of like an, uh, a Chernobyl kind of deal, that's, yeah. I, it, thought, this, it, yeah. I thought this was movie was going to do the, the whole one, two double punch and make you go in appreciating and pulling, you know, pulling for, for Oppenheimer to where, it would, you know, do that double stick and make you, by the end of the movie, hate Oppenheimer and make yeah. you think that he's the protagonist. Yeah. 
So, like, when it actually was revealed that Robert Downey Jr., his his character of Strauss is trying to not only discredit him, but also get rid of his security clearance just because, you know, in his words, that Oppenheimer turned the scientist against him. Did you like? Did you like that twist, or did you think it was kind of like? Because well, that's the whole that's the whole thing we're building towards, essentially, without the nu- building the nuclear weapon. It, well, it was that, and then they said about an embarrassment of yeah. uh, a public embarrassment due to something in Norway. Yeah, like it was like when Oppenheimer was like testifying, it was like, yeah, you could have used a, a, a sandwich or whatever, and it cut it cuts to uh, Strauss, and he's just like, damn, this dude just like like humiliated me in front of everybody essentially which i get being embarrassed and like you know but then now you're gonna go ahead and just screw this dude over on another level that i yeah that's pettiness full-on pettiness man and i also and i also like the idea of it's it's clearly established and oppenheimer never joined the communist party but he had communist ties his brother was in the Communist Party. His brother's wife was Gene Tatlock, Florence Pugh's character was. Just by association, especially during that time, you were automatically considered a communist, even though you you don't have a card and you never joined the party. Um, yeah, because and and what a lot of people don't really understand or wouldn't understand, especially of our generation and later, mm-hmm. uh, would be. That that was a big deal back in the day. It, oh yeah, ultimate deal. Because I mean, they're wrong. It was like, do you like America, or are you with America, or are you against us? Because if you're against us, we can just go ahead and deal with this right now. Right. Like it's cool, you know, kind of thing. It it, it wasn't even the thing of like, <clears throat> it wasn't even the thing of like, you know, are you selling secrets out? It's a, are you a part of the organization? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. basically go from there. Well, um, I like how I like how during the um, the test test testify scenes, they yeah. always ask about like, well, why did you go to why did you go overseas to study quantum mechanics? Because we didn't have an organization. Why didn't you study here? Because I hadn't made the program yet. He has an answer for everything, and it really you really side with Oppenheimer <coughs> during those scenes because it's like, dude, just just stop. You know, you clearly this is like garbage. The one that was going after him, I did not like. I think Jason and, Clark. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they're wrong. He played the character very, very well, but it was just like, dude, calm the fuck down. Like this guy is not. I I don't know. He just. Yeah, but I think you get that payoff with when Kitty has to testify. It's just like, were you a member of the Communist Party? Yeah, 16 years. Oh, 17. No, 18 years ago. Like, it's such a dark, like, comic moment. But, like, you she really was, root for her. Oh, she was a hardcore thing of strength. I mean, honestly. honestly, when And, I mean, I kind of felt the same way because whenever he did shake his hand, I, mm-hmm. mm, nah, I'd have been like, go ahead and go fuck off, dude. Like, we nah, didn't even. you can go on. We didn't even get to mention <laughs> yet a lot of, uh, like, how much work and production. I mean, in the special features you get to watch, Christopher Nolan even, they, they mm. created a whole new way of filming with uh, IMAX black and white, something that had never been yeah. done before. Do you think stuff like mm. this, you know, the budget was only $100 million. 
Um, but with all the stuff you see, all the cast members that were just like, you know, this massive cast, the I, the IMAX exclusive cameras, the black and white IMAX. It's like, man, did the, the there, there's money maybe that not even been brought up to, or this hundred million doesn't seem like a lot of money, but for everything they did in this movie, it feels like it has the budget of an Avengers movie of like say yeah. three hundred to four hundred million dollar budget, but it didn't. Well, the fact I that mean, you said that it's it's a it, it, it only cost a hundred million dollars, and the fact that you know everything was almost practical, the whole entire Los Alamos set was built from scratch. Even his, the, even when Oppenheimer had the image in his mind, and he was just staring off in a blank space, and he saw what the atom would look like. Even all yeah, that was practical. practical. Nothing was CGI yeah. in this movie. Yeah, and the fact that this movie made almost a billion dollars, Universal's got to be so happy with this, you know. And I think anytime, and that was something I wanted to bring up to you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question in a minute. The fact that Christopher Nolan really took the time, and I think that's the key word here. They, he took time writing out the script, getting the right actors, making this look as real as possible. The fact that they shot, I think they said, what, 60 miles north of the real Los Alamos and was able yeah. to record, was able to film on some of the real locations is that takes dedication and i feel like if you're not nolan or scorsese or whoever we just don't get that a lot anymore in film you know a lot of the, you know if this was if this was not nolan i guarantee you 80 maybe 90 percent of this movie would have been cgi honestly so What do you guys think of just like, you know, my comments earlier about a time and age where these directors are just putting out, you know, the, the, just the, the and of course, there's artsy like films that's, that comes out every year, obviously. But this year is one of the first few years where these artsy like movies are making hundreds of millions of dollars. Like people yeah. are people are starting to go see these kinds of movies. I'm interested to see what Napoleon does. I haven't seen the numbers, but I don't think it's going to be as good as uh, Killers of the Flower Moon or Oppenheimer. I don't know, but it's Ridley Scott, so we'll see. It got mixed reviews. It came in second this weekend at the box office behind Hunger Games. So, I mean, the fact that you got a Napoleon movie that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even know. I think a lot of people don't even, I think a lot of people don't even know who Napoleon is in this day and age. It's, uh, it's, it's a whole other discussion. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Napolitan. <laughs> so, well, and I guess I'll just ask my question. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Do you do you do you guys consider this to be like artistic douchebaggery, where no one says, "Oh, you only have to see my theaters in in the theater," or Scorsese thinks you know Marvels are which which we've talked about theme park rides, or does it? Do, as an audience member, do you appreciate it or do you think it's just like, shut up, like I can just wait for this to hit on people? I, I, I think you have to appreciate it. We talked to a uh, local independent director a few weeks ago who's located out of the East Coast. And, you know, he's, I think he said it perfectly. You know, it's it's America's entertainment pastime of going to the movie theater and seeing whether it's, you know, whether it's a weird sci-fi movie like Starship Troopers or whether it's something like The Irishman. Just it doesn't matter what it is. It's just the fact of seeing it on the biggest screen possible, with mm-hmm. an environment of a crowd around you, 
maybe maybe a Coke, maybe some popcorn. I think it's just uh, – I think, you know, you have to appreciate it while it lasts because it may not be there forever. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I mean, that that's the thing. Everybody's got their own subjective opinion, you know. It, it's your opinion, you know. So, I mean, if they want to say these Marvel movies just suck ass, I don't care for them, I don't like them, they're just, you know, a bunch of guys in costumes – hoity-toity yes but at the same time so technically are yours they might not be flying around and have hammers and hardcore tech that's cool and super serum that makes them a soldier but all in all it's the same thing across the board like yeah like they're wrong this for example this whole podcast not everybody does this but there are a lot of people who could do this. We yeah, just started true. it. That's all it is. We just took that jump and kept going. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I can't explain it anymore. Like, you know, people can have an opinion and say, we're just, eh, we're great. We're idiotic. I, I think That's it's cool. I, I don't think to answer Zach's question, I don't think it matters what you go see out on the big screen. Or what you go see in theaters, just you know, I think you should. I, th- I think you should take try to at least take the time to go see it. Um, open mind, like yeah, we've always yeah. said, open mind, man. Don't 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 base <clears throat> every single thing you do say or try on what other people do say and try, because don't know. I might like something that in. he will never like, or he yeah. may like something I do, but I hate it secretly, and he's like, dude, this is the best thing ever. But I'm like. I just do it because you do it. This sucks, you know. Well, and it's it's I something completely I, different when someone says, "I I I tried to watch Oppenheimer. I got thirty minutes into it, and I couldn't do it." Then then to say, "Oh, that looks terrible. I don't want to watch it." You know, you're not even giving the movie a chance, honestly. You know. Yeah. But to go back on what you said, Zach, though, the directors or whoever puts the movies out right now, at least, aren't really giving a lot of people to check out the movie because of them waiting so long to put it on either Max or Universal or Peacock. You know what I mean? So it's it, yeah. it's one of those it's one of those things where the director is I'm not saying milking the product as much as possible, but they're definitely trying to get every cent that they possibly can before they just release it to streaming. And that's probably the studio. I think it's that and I also I think I just think Oppenheimer, I mean not Oppenheimer. Nolan is very much like Tarantino or Scorsese or Spielberg where it's just like you know I want you to see my movie but I want you to see it like I want you to experience it on the biggest screen possible that's why he releases these in like 70 millimeter IMAX you know where you have the full your eye sees the complete image without you know having to look away or anything I think a lot of people are like well why why is this filmed in IMAX if there's just a lot of people like sitting in courtrooms all day well, you know, there's also like I've 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 heard it going through the the halls of theaters and you know hearing it at the mall, like, and then reading comments on on the internet. You know, there's like, well, why can't I just watch it on a regular screen? Why do I have to spend extra to go see it at 70 millimeter? Why do I have to go to an IMAX? Like, you know, to a lot of people, at the end of the day, it's just a movie and they just want to see it on a screen. Yeah, I mean, well, and. I don't know. I, I I just feel like we're in a 
we're just in a time where like, you know, people's attention spans are just not, you know, if they can't sit through a 30 second, if they can sit through a 30 second TikTok video, they're not going to sit through a three hour film. You know, it's just, that's just where we are. That's just where we are as a society right now, essentially, you know. But I think most people just, <clears throat> it has to catch your interest because it doesn't catch yeah. your interest or if you're not interested in it at the time. You know, and I mean, honestly, a lot of people, like you said, will go for something that's 30, 40 seconds or even two, three minutes compared to three hours because attention spans are kind of lessening. People don't want to go ahead and be interested in something like this. People want to be interested in something like Spider-Man or the Avengers or, or Barbie. It's also, though, like Barbie, you know, it's, it's also like we have so much entertainment now at the tip of our fingertips, like where can somebody find the time to go give their attention to a three-hour movie compared to like, oh, hey, this one's only an hour and a half. Let me just go spend an hour and a half at this one. Yeah. Right. So. Well, you know, two more two more things I want to talk about before we wrap it up. Um, the actual Trinity explosion where they actually test the bomb, that whole, that was probably one of the best things I've seen. I was on like sitting on the edge of my seat during that in the theater and the fact that you, when they actually press the button and the bomb goes off, it's just silence, and you hear Oppenheimer's breath the entire time. It's just, it's so, it's awesome. The movie could end right a there, very, and I think you got your money's worth. Yeah, I mean, it's a very horrific scene, but it's all done in a, in a silent motion, essentially, you know. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, ultimately... What is what is revealed? What Oppenheimer and Einstein were talking about, and essentially what makes the movie is, you know, they talk, you know, essentially they're at the pond, and Oppenheimer says, "Hey, do you remember when I gave you those uh, equations about whether we had blown up the world? Is it the chain reaction?" And he said, "Yeah." What do you like? What do you, what about it? And he said, "Yeah, I think we made a chain reaction, but it's even worse." And then you see just you see the the rockets being Ready, ready, launch in the air, almost like a nuclear holocaust is going to happen. It's the idea of nuclear winter. Yeah. Well, we thought we were. We thought the worst thing was blowing up the atmosphere, but now this this type of power is out, and anyone can use it. That just like, and it's just him closing his eyes, and that's the end of the movie. It's just like that. That's perfect. That's how you end this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Wonderful. Wonderful one. So. Yeah. You guys have anything else? A tale of three different movies almost. Um a trinity, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um no, I, <laughs> I, I honestly like I honestly think we could have spent two hours talking about this movie and still not covered it in every single base that maybe we wanted to. Yeah. There is, if you are interested, Johnny, there is a documentary on the, the 4K Blu-ray <laughs> called uh To End All War, Oppenheimer and the Atomic Bomb. I did it's start that. I, I think I was like an hour into it, and I, I couldn't uh, for some reason I couldn't hit the button on the on the disc and see how long the actual documentary was. The moral of the it's hour, came it's, in for you. It's an hour and a half, so it's like a real <clears throat> full length uh, documentary about the real Oppenheimer. I wanted to I was, watch it. I was, I was just... almost, I was almost done then. So, um, 
And let's, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, favorite, you have a favorite scene or scenes in this movie? I would say the scene when Rami Malek came up <clears throat> and just killed Strauss's whole thing right there or, or started the downfall of Strauss, I guess. Mm -hmm. That would be mine. Okay. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to say the ending, just the, the war's chain reaction that they, that he's finally realized what he's created. Um, the visions of death where he addresses the, addresses the, the town and he starts seeing like ash and like charred body bodies and everything. And then honestly, it's, it's a character moment when he tells Matt Damon's Groves is like, yeah, <laughs> there's a near, near 0% chance that we'll blow up the world. And he's just like near zero. It's like, what do you want from quantum mechanics? He's like, well, zero would be good. So it's kind of like a, a black comedy moment where it's just like, man, like, this is so this is we're literally about to test this but we could blow up the world so um if i had to, if i had to say any favorite scenes it'd be anytime matt damon's on screen i think matt damon just runs away with this um <clears throat> also leading up to the two hour mark where they do test the bomb like you mm -hmm. said zach i thought that was just that was phenomenal filmmaking um and then you know honestly the the interrogation scenes with uh um Jason Clark. Jason Clark. I thought Jason Clark was a fantastic piece of uh, ass in this one. Just as like how he, you know, he's he's doing his job, but he's just uh, it, those the scenes that he's in makes you just want to hate him. Yeah. Um, and then you know what, Tony Tony Gold, Goldwyn. Um, it's always good to see him on screen, and uh, I enjoy everything, whether it's big or little, that he does. So. He doesn't get enough recognition, or I don't think we even talked about him in this movie. So, but that just shows how many people are in this movie. And like you said, when you're sitting in the theater watching, like, God damn, did people just did he just get people off the street and say, "Hey, Josh Hartnett, come on, Rami Malek, come on"? You probably, know, just like you know, wow. I didn't know I didn't know Josh Hartnett was still acting. He probably yeah, probably paid him twenty bucks to come in and do these scenes. <laughs> Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, it's this is it, man. Uh, star rating. Zach, we'll start with you. Man, I'm gonna give it a ten. I think this is easily one of the best movies of the year. It, it'll be in our. I'm sure all of us will have it probably in our top five plus five of 2023. Performances, direction, cinematography, practical effects. Just the, as a film fan, this is why you go. And you know when you open the first shot, when you open the movie, and the first shot is just rain drops, and you see like the ripple effect. It's perfect how that movie. It's perfect how the movie starts out. It tells you everything you need to know about this. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a ten. Is it Nolan's best movie? You can make an argument for it. I still think The Dark Knight and Dunkirk are up there. So, but yeah, this is ten out of ten for me. What about you, Ed? Before July, I had no movies that were 10. Um, and then it's like movies started coming out July 21st. Boom. You know, I had some back-to-back 10s. But this second time around, um, I'm still going to give it a 10. To me, it's a perfect piece of filmmaking. Um, Christopher Nolan, the performances, the storytelling that shakes your inner soul. The last hour is probably the most incredible and intense probably that I've seen all year. 
Um, I think it's one of Christopher Nolan's best movies he's ever done. Um, I think it even outdoes The Dark Knight. Um, do yourself a favor. Go buy it. Go see it. If you get a chance to see it in the theater again on a re-release, go see it. The moment it hits um, the peacock, go see it. Make it a priority the moment it hits streaming. Um, but I think it's a 10. Nice. Well, I would agree. Ed? I would agree. Ten. I mean, honestly, this movie has so much good in it. It's not even funny. Uh, whether you want to hate the persons, whether you want to go ahead and be with, like, I'm sorry, if you can't find something you enjoy in this movie, you're probably asleep. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Johnny, we kind of had a conversation after we saw Killers of the Flower Moon and thought. Maybe that movie was a little bit better. I was gonna ask. I mean, do you see do you see Nolan winning Best Director for this? I think he totally deserves it, but it's hard against Scorsese. Yeah, I, th I think it's tough. I think once you look down and you know look at the criteria of how they put the formula together for Best Director, mm -hmm. I think it's a two way race. I don't I don't see anybody coming out fighting for third i don't see any any dark horse director coming out and doing anything um i literally think it's between those two except and, for james wan for aquaman i mean you got to put that in there so <laughs> i just saw that trailer before we started uh recording honestly and, and went live and i looked myself i was thinking to myself you know i would be okay if they just did away with that movie and canceled the entire thing yeah, but I, and, and who who knows? In all reality, it still looks like it could be fun. Um, you know, the, the last Aquaman made a billion dollars, so so let's see. And uh, yeah. Abdul Mateen is in it, so I want to go see that as well. Yeah, um, I, but, I, but when it, when it comes to Oscar season and Best Director, I, like I said, I think it's just down to the two, and we'll see what movie outlasts. Um, it's really hard because I just got done watching Killers of the Flower Moon a few weeks ago. But uh, it's, it's tough. tough. It's very tough. So, well, until then, guys, what are we talking about next week? Next week, next subject matter, Wednesday, December the 6th, we're talking the 40th anniversary of Scarface. Uh, the world is his, and it's available on Netflix. Go check it out. We kick off December with Scarface. Should be a fun conversation. Um, the week after that, it's the 20th anniversary of the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King. Um, the week before Christmas, we're talking another movie that came out of nowhere that made a lot of money this young 2023 season, uh, Sound of Freedom. And like Zach said, we end the year with our top five plus five Christmas movies of all time. Uh, guys, this is our first top five episode since April, if that's hard mm. to believe. Wow. We only had two of them this year. Well, as a Christmas gift, we like to say thank you. And who doesn't like lists for Christmas as a Christmas gift? Yeah. Um, you know, and then January is right around the corner. Um, but guys, November's done. November's in, in the bag. What are you guys most looking forward to for December? Any episodes or any any moments that you guys are looking forward to? We're about to create a lot of moments. I know with Scarface next week, so. 
I don't know until they come up. Ed, is this going to be first time watch for you? Have you seen Scarface before? At least six times, yes. <laughs> You've seen exactly. this movie six times? <laughs> only, I've only seen that movie once in its entirety, and... Have you already yeah. watched it? Rewatch? Yes, cockroaches. No. You haven't no. seen it yet? Uh, it, I, it is like... It is like... That's okay. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Dude. Take another clear loot. She'll love me in the morning. Shit. So, so this is what we're talking about next week. Um, 20th anniversary, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, three hours and 25 minutes long. Zach, if you're not looking forward to Scarface, I'm not looking forward to Return of the King. That's fair. Oh. That's fair. The girthy movie is just, it's going to rip my insides out. It's funny. It's funny. We, uh, I don't want to see Scarface. You don't want to see Return of the King. But then we come together and we want to talk about Sound of Freedom. The world, so. Chico, and everything in it. And then it's always fun to do a top five plus five with you guys. I, uh, it's always fun to see um, what makes the list and what doesn't. So, hey, 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 you want a job, Ernie? Huh? It's going to be interesting. I also think for the top five plus five Christmas movies, I think we're also going to maybe throw in like we do for our award season. I think we're going to talk about our five worst holiday movies as well. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. I already throwing out bullets. <laughs> we haven't got to the episode yet. Um, but yeah, hopefully everybody enjoyed our talk on Oppenheimer. Go check it out. It's one of the best movies of the year. If you don't think so, send us in some emails and we'll, we'll again, we'll try we'll, to we'll get, get them. Bag. Um, we'll get to it real soon. Um, All I have think, in this world is my balls in my world, and I don't break them for no one. See, there, there's our Scarface episode. See you, see you guys in two weeks. Uh, also, I think next week we have to talk our top five Al Pacino movies. <laughs> Um, yep. So top five is coming back next week. We will talk our top five Al Pacino movies on Scarface. So don't forget, join us next week, episode 274, as we talk Scarface on another new episode of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast.